Dad was an entrepreneur, making a newspaper probably in fifth grade. Brother and I tried to create like a video game rental service, snowboard club to throw parties and charge people like a dollar. Moved to the city in 1998. I worked at a company called Jupiter Research. The city guides for Palm Pilots. They hooked on this idea of like, hey, you can make software that changes the way that people move through cities. Started our own city guide. So Dodgeball started off as a, as a city guide. So I'm gonna find this engineer. Never met that person. Learn how to code in 30 days book. It was a hobby, not a business. Dodgeball helped me get that job at, at Vindigo. I like, made it through a couple rounds of layoffs and I think it was the third one where I got laid off. And we tweaked it to work on phones which now had this thing called the wireless web. Like the, that just allowed our like 10 or 15 friends to broadcast their locations. Same stuff we do today, right? Just 20 years later, just like, it's a lot more sophisticated. I left the city, I worked as a snowboard instructor for a year called ITP uh, at NYU, which is kind of like half art school and half technology. You just get all these people that are interested in emerging technologies. We kind of hit it off and we worked on projects for two, you know, two years together. This like interactive jukebox thing. And we dust off that old dodgeball stuff yeah. and see if we can turn it into something. Well, why don't we just try to make a mobile version of Friendster? 2003 and 2004, uh, we turned it into our thesis project. Like a year after graduation, we sold that company to, to Google. Just kind of overlapped with the right person. And they're like, hey, you should come, um, you should come to Google. Most of our time like migrating a lot of the tools so they would work on Google infrastructure. The phones, GPS, and social networks, and like you put all those things together, what happened? Google had made a decision internally that they did not want to support the Dodgeball project for much longer. I don't want to work on something else. I want to work on this. I'm passionate about this. When they decided they didn't want to do it anymore, we decided that we would leave. Admittedly pretty depressed for like a, a year. It's like we basically have to rebuild Dodgeball again. Uh. Throw in a bunch of game mechanics and see if any of them work. But once you could build apps, and I teamed up with this guy, Anu Naveen, launched it at South by Southwest in 2009. Yeah. Me and Naveen to start. And then Harry came in. Frame of mind was not like, we are here and we're about to take over the world. It was like, are people gonna laugh at us? Yeah. And it's even harder, I think, to do something that's like similar to the first one. People liked it. Took every idea that we had in our head, put it in this one thing in case this was the last thing we ever built. Usage was flat for like six months. We went and talked to 30 different VCs. 30 VCs told us like, no, this is a stupid idea. You already made this, you already sold it. Google yeah. already killed it. Why would we invest in this? And we were just like, I just think there's something really interesting in the, in the data here. Yes, and why? Uh, two people, Bryce Roberts from uh, O'Reilly Alpha Tech Ventures, Union Square Ventures here in New York. Now I got a million bucks. This picture on Flickr of a flyer that's a, a cafe in San Francisco called, they called them up. Anyone say I'm the mayor and try to get their stuff? Like, oh yeah, I do it all the time. We'll offer specials in return, which will drive more people to check in. And it's like, there's a flywheel of something here. This is interesting. And all the no's turned to like, please call us back, please call us back. Three, four months later, we were growing by a million users a month. They're using it the same way that they used to. Like, what, why is that? Facebook had been like, hey, we're gonna do a check-in. iOS 5 now has geofencing. Not meant for companies like Foursquare. This is meant for someone else. Uh -huh. So hard to get working. It was so much technology. Bring your phone somewhere and it understands where you've been. You don't have to have the phone in your hand. You don't have to open the app. You don't have to from that Pilgrim technology is baked up in this SDK that we, we let developers use. Somebody's business model these days, is, it's, it's, a, it's based around data. I'm good at building consumer things. I'm very passionate about products that people use. The company in the way that we think is, is right and ethical and 
and you know very respectful of users and privacy and small group kind of tucked away in the corner of Foursquare that's like it's like an R&D group weird non-conventional stuff on, on top of the tools and, and data that we have so we're gonna go down to South by Southwest and I think for the first time in a long time show people some stuff that we've made a different type of location-based game like a, bo a board game where the pieces are actually like off of real data, real things happening in the city. If people tell you they're bad ideas, like you should really just keep working on them until you convince yourself that they're, that they're bad ideas. And you don't have to become, you know, the best programmer in the history of the world. You just have to become competent enough that you can make something that barely works. Towel and said, this isn't gonna work. This is too hard. I'll just get an easier job. And we didn't do that. We just kept, there's a lot of walking, there's a lot of talking. I feel like a little bit of our stuff is baked into Twitter and Uber and Apple Maps and Samsung phones and, you know, Tinder and TouchTunes. Welcome to Startup Hunter. I'm here with Dennis Crowley, the hey. founder of Foursquare, which was the first app that you could check in. It sort of changed the world and made it like location on apps a thing. And I want to know all about your history of entrepreneurship. And I would like to go, thank you so much. Happy to be here on this beautiful, uh, what's it, Tuesday morning? Tuesday morning, 9 a.m. Tuesday morning in February, yeah. And uh, sub-freezing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you have a problem with that. No, I'm fine. I'm bundled up nice and good, yeah. And so come take a walk with me. All right. And uh, what's the, oh, 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 the over-under on we get hit by a car here? Uh, <laughs> Has it ever happened on one of these interviews? We have never had a car accident. Today's the day. Hopefully <laughs> Today's not. Today's the day. Hopefully. <laughs> Uh, All right. Are you, now, do you lead or do I lead? I'm going to lead. So, okay. Don't. What I would like to start with, Dennis. <laughs> this makes me so nervous. We're going to bop people in the head as we're walking along. <laughs> very, I'm like very high stress at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Uh, good. No head bops so far, and uh, and what I would like to start with is all the way at at the beginning from birth. And yeah. I want to know what your parents did. Were they entrepreneurs or not? Yeah, my, um, I grew up in uh, suburban Massachusetts, about 40 miles outside of Boston. And, uh, you know, my mom was a, was a stay-at-home mom. Uh, I got a younger brother and a younger sister. Uh, my brother's here in the city, and my sister's back in Boston. Uh, and my dad was an entrepreneur. It, uh, he's um, owned an electrical contracting company uh, in Boston, uh, which was, you know, like basically making, uh, making some of the technology and doing the implementations for stuff that made you know, things like subways run and things like, uh, you know, the tunnels in Boston, a lot of the stuff that had to do with the big dig and other transit systems uh, around, the, around the U.S. And so, you know, one of my first jobs and first internships was working at his company, which was, you know, like, I think it was around 100, 100 people or so uh, in Boston. Um, and, you know, I would, like, solder wires together sometimes and copy... Uh, like make photocopies and put papers in the binders and you know all the non-glamorous stuff but it was uh you know it was fun okay interesting so <laughs> what was the first entrepreneurial thing that you did on your own sell lemonade paper route uh something like that maybe uh let's see i um it's probably three that come to mind none of them generate any revenue <clears throat> um, let's talk about it but the, <laughs> the first was you know, making a newspaper probably in fifth grade, right? And being like, hey, I'm gonna make this, news this newspaper on my, at a typewriter, not a computer, but like a typewriter. And, uh, you know, we'll just go and, uh, you know, write up like fake news and fake headlines and, 
fake sports scores and stuff and uh, just distribute it in class. So that was, you know, kind of an experiment in that. And then, you know, I, my brother and I tried to create like a video game rental service. Yeah. Because we had like 20 Nintendo games. So we're talking and Super Mario Brothers, Contra. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. NES style, right? Maybe might have been some Genesis games in there too. And we would rent them out for like a dollar a piece. Uh, uh, that was the days before Blockbuster? That, um, <laughs> We, we didn't have a blockbuster in our town. There was a, a store that rented games, but we were, we were going direct to the customers. Uh -huh. you know, no, no parents involved, no, no mall involved. Uh, let's take a <laughs> right here. Yeah, yeah, I'll let you drive. And so we did that, and then let's see, what else was there? We also were going to open a baseball card store, um, which was in a, uh, it wasn't really a store, it was an old pool shed <laughs> that you know, my grandmother's like shut down her pool. And somehow the like the, the pool shed, you know, where they keep all the pool toys and stuff, it yeah. ended up at our house. And I was like, if we just move this to the end of the driveway, we could sell baseball cards out of the end of the driveway. Uh-huh. Um, but that uh, that never that never happened. <laughs> we never did that. Are you the older brother? I am, yeah. My brother is four years younger, and then my uh, my sister is four years younger than him. So you're like a position of leadership that's sort of always been built in for you. Uh, but yeah, not not by choice, by by biology. By default. <laughs> yes, exactly. You're probably the uh, the babysitter at times. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my brother. Well, my brother and I used to fight like cats and dogs when we were younger, and then with my sister, it was more like a more interesting dynamic. But like now, everyone gets along gets along real well. All right. So baseball cards. I assume elementary school, maybe middle school. Uh, yeah, it's like middle school. Yeah, a new little newspaper was. I remember fifth grade specifically because of the typewriter. And then, um, oh, not even a word processor or a computer. No, no, no. Just like it was like it was an electric typewriter, though. Which, yeah. Actually, I don't even know what the difference. Maybe like it, it automatically did a carriage return. Yeah. But like I would make, you know, I type the little thing out, and then give it to my dad, who would photocopy it because he had a, a photocopier at work. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, hand them out to people. Oops, sorry. Uh, so extreme multitasking here. Oh, oh yeah. There's there's about seven things, seven dimensional stabilization going on here. Avoiding yeah. people. Uh, it's busy. There's a movie shoot happening. Uh, I like these. This is like a made in New York one. Oh yeah. Put that little, little Lucy, stamp for approval on it. Lucy and Desi. Yeah. Um, is this a show? I, I apparently it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. So what was the next entrepreneurial thing that you did after the baseball card? Uh, Escapade. Um, I mean, we did we did a lot of stuff like this in, in college, where um, you know, like we we started a, went to Syracuse in upstate New York, and we started a uh, you know snowboard club, and you know the mechanic there was like, if we get 50 seasons passes sold to the mountain, me and my buddies would get a couple of them for free. So like, all right, let's aggregate all the people that want to go skiing or snowboarding. Let's get them all in this club together. And then I worked on um, let's see what else there. We had this big house, you could throw parties and charge people like a dollar to two dollars to get in. Uh -huh. uh, which generated revenue for the house so we could buy things like, you know, uh, a new TV or, or a stereo or a Nintendo 64. Um, I mean, these are like little things. I think you're looking for like a, a serious entrepreneurial venture. Well, sure. I, I mean... I don't have one of those. <laughs> well, Not yeah. until probably NYU. Yeah. So, oops. Nice work. Um, which was... Um, let's see, that was, yeah, I moved to the city in 1998, down in New York, and I worked at a couple different 
um, over to a company called Jupiter Research. That was, um, you know, like a, a research consultancy firm writing research reports about the future of the internet, trying to convince people that the internet was a real thing. And then I worked for a company that did um, made city guides for Palm Pilots called Vindigo, yeah. which was really the first time I ever worked on a on a consumer product. And I think that's where I got like bit by the bug to make things that you know people people would use and people got excited about using. Now, for those of you who don't know, the Palm Pilot was like the predecessor to the iPhone. It, it's yeah, you know, it did like it barely had internet or yeah, it was like a smartphone that didn't work. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't have internet. It, could, it had apps. But you know, there was no color screen, no network, no Wi-Fi. There was no such thing as Wi-Fi at the but time. It looked really cool. It did, well, yeah, it was like, a, what do they call them, PDAs, right? Personal right. Digital Assistant. Yes. And the idea being, um, you know, you just, you know, right now I have like a, a notebook in my pocket of all my, all the things I got to do and all the notes I have, and it's like a digital version of that. Yes. We're dating ourselves. Yeah, oh, totally. Uh, but the oldies are goodies. Yeah, exactly. It was all good for all stuff. No, but that, you know, working for um, working for Vindigo was, uh, you know, that was the thing that got me hooked on this idea of like, hey, you can make software that changes the way that people move through cities. And, you know, you can make, if you know, if you make the software and people like it, you'll see them using it on the streets. You know, if you go to a movie theater and you see people using it, you go to a restaurant and you see people using it, you know, through the, the, the blue light of their Palm Pilot. Uh, and that, that that stuff was always like, that was fascinating, inspiring. So, and what so, did, what did it inspire you to do? Well, it was around it was around that time. There's a bunch of overlap here, but um, you know, around like 2000 or so, where uh, we started our own city guide because, like, you know, me and my friends were all in, in you know here in New York, and um, uh, you know, lived in lived and hung out in the Lower East Side, which was a neighborhood that was changing so quickly, like every every week there was another street to go explore because there was like three new restaurants or bars that had opened up on that street. And, you know, everyone used this thing called City Search at the time, this old website. But, it, you know, City Search, I don't know where it was based, but like, it couldn't keep up with New York. Uh -huh. Like it, didn't, it hadn't heard of the places that we went to, it didn't know about the neighborhoods that we explored. And so our thinking was kind of like, why don't we just make our own version of a city guide, except we'll add the places and our friends will write all the reviews. This is before Yelp. Yeah. Um, and so we just, you know, we just kind of hacked that, hacked that thing together. Uh, and it was, it was cool. Like we, we went and people added the places and people would write little reviews about things. And, you know, it sounds pretty basic now, but whatever, two th it was a year 2000, 2001, it was a long time ago, like 20 years ago. And what was your, what was your um, app called or uh, was, website? It was called Dodgeball. Oh, Dodgeball. Yeah, so Dodgeball started off as a, as a city guide, right? And what was the interface? Was it a website? It was a website, yeah. Now, I, I, hadn't, I hadn't taken um, computer science courses at Syracuse. I just, I didn't have any, so bad at math, I'm still pretty bad at math. And so I couldn't, I, I didn't have the prereqs to get in a lot of those courses. And so like, I, never, I never took programming. And so when I got to the city, I kind of was just, I was always hoping and expecting, I was like, someday I'm going to find this engineer friend of mine, I'll meet this awesome engineer friend, and they're going to like build all this stuff and code all this stuff, and it's going to be awesome. And, you know, after a couple of years here, never met that person. And then, you know, I remember being at my old job at Jupiter on the weekend, and someone had like a learn how to code in 30 days book, learn Microsoft ASP and dynamic web pages in 30 days. And right. I was like, I got 30 days, let's do that. Uh -huh. And then, you know, but more importantly, I had a project. I wanted to make that city guide thing. And so I just kind of skipped my way through the book until we figured out enough of it to make it work. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so we built that first dodgeball prototype, 2001 you, or so. You said we, so who else was on it with you? Um, I was doing all the programming, but I had you know some buddies from the city, like my buddy Andy Krukoff, my buddy Chris Gage, that were just like you know helping me put stuff into the database, sure, right, and helping helping kind of like it was a it was a hobby, not a business. Like we were doing this while we were you know on the weekends or working at our other job. Um, but whoops. Um, but what happened? Um, you know, if you fast forward to like 2000, summer 2001. Um, you know, I had this little dodgeball thing that we had hacked together. And, you know, I think actually dodgeball helped me get that job at, at Vindigo. Like, hey, I know how to make stuff. Um, <clears throat> this way. And, um, you know, in, I was at Vindigo for about a year and then, and then got laid off. Like, what happened is like... 2002, the dot-com no, crash. No, 2000, this is 2001, summer 2001, before, before 9-11. And so I think it started in like March or April. And, you know, a lot of my friends from Jupiter ended up losing their jobs. And I think we thought we were going to get another round of funding at Vindigo. And I, I didn't really understand the mechanics at the time. But I made a couple rounds of, um, uh, I made it through a couple rounds of layoffs. And I think it was the third one where I got laid off. And so I was like, oh, that, that kind of sucks. <clears throat> and, in, you know, in that, it was a really, like, like, um, like really difficult moment for me. Like, I remember, like, we were... We got evicted from our apartment. Um, like my girlfriend at the time broke up with me. I turned 25, which is like, holy cow, 25, I'm so old. Yeah. Um, and, and then I got laid off, like all like in the same like month long period, which was intense. Um, but I took that, you know, there was this period where, you know, there was, there was no jobs in the city. Um, you know, this was, this was leading up to 9-11. 9-11 hadn't happened yet. No one was funding internet stuff. It wasn't a lot of interesting stuff. I didn't really have a plan, and so, and none of my friends had jobs, so we took the old dodgeball code, and we tweaked it to work on, um, on you know, phones which now had this thing called the wireless web, like the, like a really crappy text-based uh, web browser, and I was like, well, why don't we just use reuse this dodgeball database, and what we'll do is people will be able to say, hey, I'm at I'm at Bleecker Street Bar, um, on Tuesday afternoon because I'm unemployed. Uh, and all my friends are unemployed and I want them to meet up with me. Uh, and someone would be like, oh, I'm, well, I'm at Yankee Stadium or I'm at Central Park. And so we had built this system that just allowed our like 10 or 15 friends to broadcast their, uh, their locations. Oh, we're not going to make it. Whoa. Okay, good. We, that, was, that was almost it. That was almost our hit by the car <laughs> moment. Thank, thank God for you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we'd hack this thing together and it, it worked pretty good. And, you know, for a couple of years we had... Um, a bunch of our friends just using it to kind of find each other as we move through the city. Um, and I think, you know, looking back, I don't think we fully appreciate a lot of the stuff we built where we had like this venue database, we had a mobile front end to it, we had... Now know, back then mobile was pretty much on these flip phones, right? Yeah, it was like, a, we had like a, I can't remember the model number, it was a Samsung phone that kind of flipped open and had like a see-through little like plastic or glass panel. And the web browser was probably three or four lines of text. Yeah, um, I'm, gonna, and, and, I'm definitely pulling up an image of that. Oh no, you, you need. I'll send you an image. Like, I, it's it's <laughs> it's awesome to see it now because it's, it's all the same stuff we do today, right? Just 20 years later, just like it's a lot more sophisticated. Yeah, you know, the same same thinking, same ideas. Just you know, we had, just now like we we it turns out we made all that technology that powers it, which is cool. Um, 
And so, you know, that was 2001, we were doing the Vindigo stuff. And then, um, then 9-11 happened, then we got, you know, then we got booted from our apartment. And then I left the city, I worked as a snowboard instructor for a year yeah. uh, in New Hampshire. So how was, um, how was your uh, dodgeball, you know, happening while you're up in New Hampshire? It, it didn't. I, I went up there thinking like, you know, I'm going to make all this stuff while I'm up here. I'm just going to get to work and make things. And then uh, I didn't. I, I had this job as a snowboard instructor and I was on the mountain, you know, six days a week making my like $8 an hour. And it was super fun. And uh, while I was up there, what I did do is I um, applied to grad schools. I was trying to figure out what am I going to do? Because I like to do internet stuff. Yeah. And there's no internet companies in New Hampshire. And there's not a lot of them going on in New York at the moment. So let me see if, um, let, me, let me try this other stuff out. So I landed at this program called, uh, called ITP uh, at NYU, which is kind of like half art school and half technology research lab. It's the coolest thing ever. Oh. <laughs> Trust me, I've seen it. It's amazing. And we, we walked by it. We kind of we should have given a shout out to it, but we, we walked by it on our walk here. And, um, you know, it's, it's just like this, like uh, one, of the, one of the professors, Clay Shirky, uh, refers to it as like the, the center for the recently possible, um, which means like you just get all these people that are interested in emerging technologies and interested in trying to figure out what they're supposed to do with them and interesting and interested in like, what are the things we can make with this stuff? And a lot of the people that are passionate about like the intersection of those things end up at, at this program at NYU called, called ITP. And so, you know, I, I'd gone on a tour of this program before I had left the city. And I remember being like, okay, this, this is pretty cool. I need to, need to think about how do, I, how do I get here? How do I do this? Um, and then when I was at ITP, I remember like my first day there, I met this guy named Alex Reinhardt. And um, Alex was, you know, like me in the sense that he had worked at an internet company uh, and got laid off and was trying to figure out what to do next and was, you know, not interested in a lot of the jobs that were out there at the moment. And so he's like, hey, I'm going to go back to, to grad school. And so we met basically, I think, on our first day at ITP. And Alex and I, you know, we kind of hit it off and we worked on projects for two, you know, two years together. Um, and, you know, we made all sorts of just like ra random stuff. But in between our first year and second year at ITP, you know, we were, um, uh, actually, you know, we, we had made this like interactive jukebox thing and ITP sent us out to, to uh, Microsoft to go present it. It was like this, this design contest. And I think we had done really well at the design contest and we were flying back from Seattle and Alex and I were on the plane sitting across from each other in different sides of the aisle. I was like, what do you want to do next semester, next year? And I remember, I remember having the conversation with us, and it was like, why don't we dust off that old dodgeball stuff yeah. and see if we can turn it into something? And um, you know, this was right after Friendster started happening. Um, and so you know, things like a social, like Friendster had done all the heavy lifting of explaining what a social network is. You know, like, hey, everyone has a profile and every profile has a picture and you have friends and you send them a request and approve a request. Like, that's a mouthful to explain to people. Yeah. And Friendster had done that for us. So it's like, well, why don't we just try to make a mobile version of Friendster? And that's what we spent our second year at ITP doing. So what is this, 2003? 2000, yeah, we graduated 2004. So it's 2003 and 2004. Uh, we turned it into our thesis project. Um, this is like really long story short. Our thesis project um, 
you know, ended up kind of turning into this like company that we started right after we graduated. And um, like a year after graduation, we sold that company to, to Google. Um, and that, it was Dodgeball, I sold Dodgeball to Google. Now, how did that happen? Like, did they just email you or? <laughs> yeah, they, I went on LinkedIn and I said, I'm trying to sell this thing to Google. Uh, no, it was. LinkedIn you know, didn't exist back then. Yeah, yeah. You know what it was is we, um, you know, I mentioned that we had gone to, uh, we went to Microsoft to present this, this um, you know, jukebox that we had worked on with a bunch of our other classmates. And, you know, ITP was known for sending students to go do this type of stuff. Like, go, go to this conference, the Emerging Technology Conference in San Diego and speak. Go to the Social Computing Conference in Berkeley, California and, you know, go represent ITP. And so I, I jumped at every occasion to do that. Like, I'll get up and talk about our thesis project. And we did that enough times that, you know, I remember one time I just kind of overlapped with the right person. And they're like, hey, you should come, um, you should come to Google and present this stuff here. It was a friend of mine that was there. And so that's what we did. We went to Google um, and we, we showed a couple people what we were working on. And then remember those people, we were in this conference room. And then those people went out and got two more people. And those people left and got two more people. And we probably told the story like five times that day to a room that started as like two people and ended up with like 30 people. And then that conversation turned into like, you know, we don't really invest in companies, but we'll like, we'll buy companies. Like, do you guys want to come work here? And we were, you know, two kids out of NYU that were, you know, <clears throat> checking our ATM balance every day and uh, eating at the Pizza Mercado place in the corner there. And um, I was like, this sounds amazing. And also, it's a, gr it's a great opportunity for us to take all these ideas we have and get to go put them to work, do something with them. So here's a question. Um, was, it, was it the dodgeball that they wanted or the jukebox? No, no, no. It had nothing to do with the jukebox. It was all, it was all the dodgeball stuff. And were you presenting the dodgeball in your ITP tours? Um, I mean, like when we did the, like at the ITP show? Or the, the these tours out at, at the campuses at Microsoft? Uh, well, the way ITP works is you have like, you know, you take a couple courses every semester. And yeah. every course usually requires you to make a, it's like a landmine field here with all this dog poop. Yep. Um, and every course requires you to make a project and you figure out really quickly that <clears throat> the way to be really efficient as a student is to have um, one project that you work on for multiple classes, which allows you to spend all semester working on like one thing or two things as opposed to four things. And so really every semester we had, a, we had our own project that we worked on and dodgeball, like the jukebox one was um, spring, um, second semester of our first year ah, okay. and dodgeball was really uh, both semesters of our, of our Okay, second. so uh, that's what I didn't get. So you were working at Dodgeball at ITP. At ITP. With your yeah. buddy, yeah. Alex. Alex, yeah. Alex trainer, yeah. And, um, and so the two of us went to Google together. We stayed at Google for like two years. Now, did you fly it to Mountain View? No, um, we, we'd go out like every, we probably, admittedly, we probably didn't go out as much as we should have. We probably went out like every every other month, every three months or so. So you're based here. Is anybody watching you or you're just sort of on your own? Yeah, well, we were in the New York office, which started in, in Times Square um, before they had the huge Googleplex. And I think we moved into the big Googleplex in our second, um, you know, like a, a, after we were there for a year. And have you, I don't know if you've ever been over there, but yeah. we, we were one of the first group of people to move in. They had a whole, a whole floor, which is the, the you know, footprint of a city block. And I remember, you know, they moved the whole old New York office over to probably fill up about one third of one floor. 
Yeah. Meaning if you walked around this office, which is the size of a city block, two thirds of it are empty. And I remember Alex and I walking around being like, they are never going to fill this place. Uh huh. And of course they filled it and then they filled 10 other floors and then they filled 10 other floors across the street. And now they're building like three other buildings. Yeah. So we, that's, that's <laughs> crazy. It's just crazy how, how much, like how much that's grown and how much that has done for like New York tech in general. Um, but anyway, we, we were there, we were at Google for about two years and you know, for a, a whole bunch of different reasons, um, we just, we didn't get a lot done with dodgeball. We, we built, we built some stuff. We spent most of our time like migrating a lot of the tools so they would work on Google infrastructure uh -huh. and, um, you know, making it so it didn't crash all the time. Now, did they give you like a staff of people to help you? Not a staff would be really generous. We had um, we picked up one engineer really quickly. This guy named Harry Heyman, uh, who was um, you know uh, he's, like, now he's the uh, director or was at least at Foursquare of, of, of tech. Oh yeah, he was he was like one of our you know co-founders, one of the first three guys in the room, and um, uh, you know has helped us build all of our inf infrastructure. Like the joke is like you know Harry rewrote the code for Dodgeball. We got to Google, and then when we started Foursquare, he had to rewrite the code again because I, I wrote all the initial PHP code for Foursquare and then he had to rewrite it again and he was like we're ne never again am I going to rewrite your crappy code <laughs> I, I'm really bad at, I'm, a, I'm not an engineer I'm just like a you know enough PHP to get by yeah well you got by I got by yeah and sometimes that's all you need you just need like you need a prototype a prototype that you can show to people to get them excited and to get them kind of bought into the idea and to enable them to you know, imagine what this thing could be, like if it worked and if 10 times as many people were using it. So while Dodgeball was at, at Google, while you guys were at Google, like, did you ever, did the product ever get a public facing or like? It, it was, Dodgeball was public facing when we, um, when, it, when it got bought by Google. We, you know, like we actually, we got a lot of press for it initially because, you know, we were, we were building technology out of NYU. We were building software for cities. We were building, you know, social networks that connected people in the streets. Like, we were doing all this like really, really interesting stuff, that was like a very New York take on, on I think technology and social software. And I, and I think that's that's probably one of the biggest contributions that Dodgeball made to the space, right? Like things that you make on um, you know, things that you make on computers, like they don't have to be used just at your desk, at your laptop. Like I, I remember our whole frustration with Friendster was like, you'd spend all day kind of messing around on Friendster, you'd close the lid on your laptop and it was like it never existed. It's like you should take that network out in the streets. Like it should help you meet up with people as you're, as you're walking around, Yeah. you know? Um, and that, that, you know, that's the stuff that we set out to build and explore when we were students at NYU. You know, like our grad school, the uh, the thesis we wrote was titled um, uh, "An Exploration of the Intersection of Mobile Software, mo um, Mobile Social Software, and Location-Based Services on Mobile Devices." You know, it's like take those three concentric circles, match them up. You know, phones, um, you know, GPS. Uh, the phone's just getting GPS at the moment. You know, phones, GPS and social networks and like you put all those things together what happens and i think we were some of the first that were playing with that stuff at least here in the u.s you know so did your time at google come to an end um yeah we stayed like two years and and then we just 
you know, Google had made a decision internally that they did not want to support the dodgeball project for much longer. And I was like, well, what, that's what we're here to do. Like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to work on something else. I want to work on this. I'm passionate about this. And um, when they decided they didn't want to do it anymore, we decided that we would leave. And so, you know, Alex and I just, uh, you know, we, we made a plan and we communicated. And then just one day, like March 2007, we just walked out. Together. And walked, walked out together. <laughs> Did and you give and two, we left. two weeks notice? <laughs> no, we, we gave the proper notice and everything. Like, there was nothing like, oh, I'm flipping my table and I'm, and I'm right. quitting. It was just like, you know, we, we hope this walked, worked out differently. Hi. We hoped it worked out differently, but it, it didn't, you know. And so we ended up, we ended up leaving. And then, um, so l let yeah. me just assume, like, you made some money on that, on that, and it was easier to leave than, I assume, uh, just being an employee. Um, yeah, it, it's easier to leave, like, mechanically. Like, we, we had, we made, we made some money off the dodgeball deal, um, so that I was able to not, like, not work for a little bit and not stress about getting another job immediately. Well, I think that's the key thing. Is like. You know, having a little war chest, you know, uh, and if you're not happy, then you can actually do something about about that unhappiness. Yeah, it's, it, it, it wasn't like dot-com money is today, though. You know, people are like, oh, I sold my company now for $100 million. That, $100 million, that, that was not that yeah. was not us. Not your... That was not $10, $10 million. That was not anything like that. So. No pets.com <laughs> money. Yeah, no pets.com money. Um, <laughs> Um, but you know the thing that was the trickiest is like you know, and this is it's kind of a weird point, but you know I, I only had one email address my whole life, my, my my whole time in the city. You know, Dens at Dodgeball, um, and then I left that email address behind. You know, I, I had worked for for years since I was a snowboard instructor. You know, on this good old code base and building all this stuff, and and we left all that behind. We left the database behind, the code base, all this stuff, and it was like. You know, I felt like I lost a little bit of my own personal yep. identity. Yeah. Just leaving it there, I, and I left, and I was, you know, admittedly pretty depressed for like a, a year, trying to figure out like, what am I going to do next? What like, what am I supposed to work on? It wasn't. I didn't think there was a lot of other interesting tech jobs going on at the time, um, and you know, I, 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 I immediately went to go work on uh, a buddy startup called Area Code, my buddies Frank and Kevin, and they were, you know, working on b building games, building games that overlapped with the real world, which I thought was super interesting. And I worked with them for like a year, you know, 10 months or so before I was just like, I, I gotta go do something, something else. I don't know what it is. And so I went and traveled a little bit. I took a trip with one of my, my roommates from college and one of my buddies from high school. And then, you know, we were, I was on this trip, I was in Scandinavia, and I was going through my buddy's bookshelf and on the bookshelf, um, he had this book like, oh, um, you know, live in, live in New York like a local or something. And so I'm flipping through the book and looking through all this stuff in like Alphabet City East Village. And I'm like, these, these are pretty crappy recommendations. Like, what if we just made a guide that was personalized for every single person, no matter where they went, uh -huh. right? So like if I was here in, you know, in Stockholm, I would get recommendations that my friends had left you know, based upon the things I had done. I was like, how would you build it? I'm like, you would, you'd, you'd need to build another thing that knew about all the places in the world. And you'd need to build, you know, um, a place to know where people had, had been. 
And it's like, it's like we basically have to rebuild dodgeball again. Uh-huh. And you just feel like a dummy doing the same project again. But that's what we did. We decided, like, okay, let's do that. Let's do it. Let's do a little bit more of a city guide tilt on it. And then I was really excited about a lot of this, like, games that overlap with the real world stuff from some of this work I'd done with Area Code and my buddies Kevin and Frank. And so it's like, well, let's make it a game, too, that rewards people for, you know, going out and doing things and exploring, right? So let's take these three things, personalized city guide, uh, awareness of where all your friends are, you know, ability to travel off of it, and then all these, like, it was throwing a bunch of game mechanics and see if any of them work. Uh-huh. Um, and then that, that was Foursquare. So uh, what was the first uh, platform that it was on? The best Fortnite player in the world. <laughs> Are you a Fortnite guy? No. Well, uh, I played a couple times. I have I had never won anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what was the first platform that Foursquare was on? Because um, this is pre-iPhone, I assume. Um, no, no, we built we built version one with the I want to say it was iPhone 3GS. So oh, so, oh really? So we're already uh, 2007. Uh, yeah. Well, Foursquare 1.0 was 2000. Nine. We launched in 2009, so it was, it was literally 10, 10 years ago next, 10 years ago, like 10 days from now, which is crazy. Uh-huh. Um, and then, uh, uh, so yes, and then we started working on 2008, and um, yeah, so I mean, like the first iPhone came out, and it didn't, I, I don't know if it had GPS, I think the second one had GPS. And then it was a little bit after that that you actually build apps. I remember when it first came out, you couldn't build apps. Right. There's no app store. Um, but once you could build apps, and I teamed up with this guy I knew, Naveen, who, you know, used to share office space with me at that Area Code company. I was working for Area Code after Google. Naveen was working for a company called Socialite. Uh, we sat near each other, and I was like, "Hey, you know how to make iPhone apps." And I know how to make city guide stuff. We should work together and make this thing. Uh -huh. And so this is great serendipitous timing. And, and we just got to we got to work. And it was it was January 2000. You know, we kind of messed around with a whole bunch of stuff for a couple months. But it was really January 2009 that we got serious. Like we should we should build this thing, and we should launch it at South by Southwest in 2009. Yeah. Only because we knew that hey, we had some friends in San Francisco and and um, other parts of the country and we knew they would be there. It's like, this is a good, good place to get people together and show them. And so we worked at my apartment like every day, every night for like 90 days straight to get this prototype up and running. And uh, yeah, that was, that was 10 years ago. So and, it was, it was <clears throat> just you and Naveen or? It was just me and Naveen to start. And then Harry came in, you know, Harry was kind of helping on the side. Um, you know, as we would screw up stuff with the database or running into scaling issues. Like when we were down, when Naveen and I were in Austin um, that 10 years ago, like Harry was there kind of keeping track of the database, making sure that things didn't melt and stuff. So um, he was, why, he was, was he still working at Google? He, yeah, he was still a Google employee. He was like helping us out as a favor. Well, he was wise enough to, to, to have an intuition that something was probably gonna go on here. Oh, well, yeah, and then, and then once we raised our first round of financing, which was in, um, I guess like August of that year, August, so, September, so then that's, then Harry joined us full time. So you presented South by Southwest. Yeah. Um, and uh, you, was that the launch too? That was, um, you know, people in this, people in New York were using it. Like our friends were, all of our dodgeball buddies were using it. Right. In, in New York, um, 
before then, just, just to, you know, up until the launch. And then it wasn't until like the day before South by Southwest that we opened it up and said, okay, now it works in five cities and Austin is one of those cities. So go get it and, and let us know what you think. Um, and you know, that was like the, there was, there was a lot of stuff that we were building, right? And you know, I was, just, I was just thinking about this yesterday. Like when we went down and we showed this to Austin, like our, our frame of mind was not like we are here and we're about to take over the world. It was like, are people gonna laugh at us, uh-huh. right? We're making the same thing again as dodgeball, except now you get virtual badges for checking in late, you know, after midnight. And I was like, maybe people are gonna think this is stupid, and maybe, maybe they're gonna laugh at us. Like that—that's what we thought. Like it's a really hard thing to do another. Like to do another startup after your first one and it's even harder i think to do something that's like similar to the first one and like that's what we were trying to do and we were we were pretty self-conscious about it yeah um but we got down there and people people liked it, it was, i mean there's a lot of stuff in there is the game mechanics and the check-ins and the the tips and where are people like we we basically took every idea that we had in our head put it in this one thing in case this is the last thing we ever built uh-huh and um you know the some combination of all those things working together made it really interesting. So iPhone adoption, I remember in San Francisco, I was in there at that time. It was really huge, you know, in San Francisco and probably other cities too. Like early adopters, you know, were super enthusiastic. So um, like how did the, how did the publicity, you know, how did, how did it feel like, how did you know it was spreading um, like, were, were, was there virality happening? Yeah, I mean, like, this is, remember, it's 2009, and so there's, you know, there's blogs that are covering the internet, but there's not 50 apps a day, you know, and there's not 50 different websites. It's just, um, you know, it's like TechCrunch would write an article, and they wouldn't write another article for another, until the next day, because there wasn't anything to write about. And so, you know, there was no other, you know, there's maybe a couple apps, other apps that came up, but there wasn't, 10 things every day to talk about. So, you know, we just kept building and iterating and we were able, I think, to just make stuff that people wanted to talk about for a longer period of time. Um, and, you know, that's a little bit of us. It's also a little bit of like, we were just doing it at a totally different time. Like there wasn't, you didn't have a thousand phones, a thousand apps on your phone. You had like five apps on your phone, you know? <laughs> and so like, I don't, I don't even think there was a second screen for your apps, you know, at that point. So, um, you know, it's just, it's just a different time. But, you know, everyone remembers, this is interesting, everyone remembers the story as like, well, you guys, you know, you built this thing and you launched it South by Southwest and then, you know, millions of people downloaded it and then it was just like this hockey stick growth and, you know, just off to the races, which isn't reality at all. Like, we, we had this prototype, it barely worked. You know, we went down to South by Southwest. Harry was like, we're gonna keep the lights on probably 3,000, 4,000 people signed up. Um, we got back to, uh, you know, everyone left Austin, went back home. Some people showed it to their friends. A lot of people forgot about it. Usage was flat for like six months. We went and talked to 30 different VCs. 30 VCs told us like, no, this is a stupid idea. You already made this, you already sold it. Google yeah. already killed it. Why would we invest in this? And we were just like, I just think there's something really interesting in the, in the data here. Like if you have this data on like where people are going, uh, you can do cool stuff with it. And now the we data just have to industry, how to do it. Yeah. Now the data industry is like a multi-billion dollar, everyone's talking about data science and data this and data that. 
Yeah. And uh, so. Well, that's. A, I mean, that that's how Foursquare survives these days. Like, we have. We we understand where all the places in the world are. We understand where lots of phones are. We understand as these phones move in and out of these places, and we do cool stuff with the data. It's so, the same story as 2009. Just the technology. Side. So let's let's get back to 2009. <laughs> you have 30 VCs tell you no. Who told you yes and why? Uh, two people, Bryce Roberts from uh, O'Reilly Alpha Tech Ventures, now with uh, IndyVC, was the first person that was like, you know, I'll, I'll put money in, in this thing because you guys are super passionate about it and I like you guys and you're good at this. Uh, go find someone else to help with. And then, you know, I was like, okay, that's a, that's, a, that's a good first step. And then, you know, Naveen and I were able to, um, you know, meet, meet people at Union Square Ventures here in New York. Fred? Um, yeah, Fred and Albert and Brad. Uh, you know, the firm was a little smaller at the time, and um, and they were like, okay, we're we're in two, and that you know that was that was in in August. That's like six months after South by Southwest, and that's after like 33 no's, and finally it's okay. Here's two people that'll each give us a half million bucks. Now we got a million bucks. Like let's let's go get started. And what was the business model that you were pitching them on? How did you how did you say you know here's how we're going to get you a return? To your VCs. Um, it was one of these like we're not we're not really sure yet. But here's different ways that it can that it can go. I remember we we were telling a story early on about hold on. Uh, we were telling a story early on about like trying to monetize the badges. I think right. I, I, I don't remember. Um, I can tell you the turning point was that um, uh, the turning point was because remember we had this like. We had badges and a leaderboard, and we had a um, and we had the mayor thing, right? If you go to the oh yeah, I could be the mayor of this spot. Yeah, yeah, a coffee shop, whatever. <laughs> and then you know there was this there was a moment, and I want to say it was like July, where someone posted this picture on Flickr. Remember Flickr, RIP. Um, of you want to go through Slide Town? You want to go this way? Okay. Um, someone posted this this picture on Flickr of a flyer. That's a, a cafe in San Francisco called the Marsh Cafe that they basically just like hung on a, on a tree. And the flyer said, you know, had the Foursquare logo on it and it said, hey, check in on Foursquare and, um, you know, mayor gets a, uh, a free ticket to the show tonight. Uh-huh. And someone sent it to me. I was like, man, that's super, that's really, really interesting. And so I called the cafe up from our, you know, from our office here in, in New York. We were borrowing a, a desk from a friend. I called them up. And I was like, hey, this is Dennis from Foursquare. You know, someone sent me this. And they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'll take the flyer down. I'm like, no, 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 don't take it down. Like, does anyone actually do it? Does anyone actually, like, show you their phone? Uh -huh. Like, does anyone, anyone say I'm the mayor and try to get their stuff? Like, oh yeah, I do it all the time. And I'm like, that's cool. Like, if we made you some special tools that enabled you to promote that in different ways, like, would you do it more? And they're like, yeah, 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 okay. And so I was like, that's a, that's a good idea. And around that time, um, this guy, Charlie O'Donnell, who was working at, uh, he's a VC here in New York, and he was, hey, oh, and he was, um, <laughs> he was working at uh, Unisquare Ventures, wrote this blog post, and it was like, you know, I've seen the future of Yelp, and it's called Foursquare. And he, and he had kind of outlined, like, you know, these guys have made this thing where, uh, these guys being Foursquare, um, you know, you, you check into places, you, you brag about it to your friends, it's awareness, it's like social validation. It drives, you know, the merchants are paying attention to it. The merchants want more of these check-ins. The merchants will offer specials in return, which will drive more people to check in. And it's like, there's a flywheel of something here. This is interesting. 
And that was the thing. It was after that blog post hit. And I think after Fred Wilson was like, oh yeah, that's a good blog post. I agree with these guys. These guys are doing cool stuff. That like everyone was like, okay, well we, we want something to do with Foursquare. That's where everything turned. Uh-huh. And all the and all the no's turned to like, please call us back, please call us back, please call us back. But at that point it's like, listen, Union Square Ventures is the first person that the first people that saw this in a way that we needed to see it too. And so that was the deal that we ended up doing. Uh-huh. Um so let's talk about uh you know the growth of the company. Yeah. And um, where where do you want to start? Like, uh, <laughs> how, how did it get to scale? Um, so you said it was the turning point. Was uh, everything pretty rosy from there on out? No, no, nothing has been rosy since the beginning of the thing. And anyone that tells you it's rosy is really full of shit. Um, but you know, there was. I remember around the, our first board meeting, like September, first board meeting ever. Fred Wilson being like, so when are you going to have a, a million users? And I remember us like laughing out loud, being like, a million users, what are you, crazy? Like, I don't even know what that looks like. And, you know, sure enough, like three, four months later, we were growing by a million users a month, right? Which is just like, it's, it's even now, thinking back to it, it was just, it was just crazy, kind of un- unheard of. Um, and, you know, like Foursquare grew and grew and grew and we... I think the, the user base got to about 50 million accounts, 60 million accounts, before we just stopped like counting, right? And because it didn't matter at that point. What mattered is how many people were using the product um, and what were they using the product for. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to skip around and skip, skip forward pretty quickly. Sure. But I think it was like around 2012, 2013, call it 9, 10, 11, 12, like five years after we started the company, that we started seeing the growth flatten right and I was like people aren't using it the same way that they used to like what why is that and there was a couple reasons like number one like you know Facebook had been like hey we're gonna do a check-in and and Zagat did it and Yelp did it and you know this thing that was unique to us had been commoditized Instagram does it well not a check-in button like Ah. but then Instagram came out I was like hey why would you just send a piece of text that says you're here take a photo of your latte right and so Instagram started dominating um, I think people's attention. Twitter started getting re- really, really popular. Like Snapchat was, um, you know, was the thing that came out on 2013, 2014. And so all these things were like kind of eating into. Um, it's, uh, this is my my favorite truck in the neighborhood, by the way. This Galatasaray. It's like a Turkish soccer team logo on the back. You love that truck. Yeah, I see it all the time in our neighborhood. <laughs> <clears throat> just the just the art on the back. Yeah. Um, and uh, wait, what were we talking about? Uh, you were talking about like Snapchat. Oh Twitter, yeah, yeah. So, like, just e- like eating into eating into the uh, marketplace. Yeah, it's just this different. It's just kind of this different. Um, it's a different environment now. Like the one thing that we had done really well is that, you know, 2000. I mean, 2009 because this wasn't like our first check-in company. Like the the, the point was not to make like a, a an awesome check-in app. The point was, remember the, the story about like Scandinavia and all this stuff traveling? It was like to build software that changes depending on where you go. Software that changes depending on where you've been, software that changes the way you experience cities. And so like the check-in was a means to get there. So we knew 2009, 2010, 2011, it's like, holy shit, there's a lot of people that want to check in. Like the future is really building a check-in button that you never have to press, okay? It's like that, which is a piece of technology that did not exist. Like 
GPS on phones was just barely working. In here, what we wanted was someone's going to make something so that, like, when I walk into, you know, a coffee, this coffee shop, it knows I'm at a coffee shop called Think Coffee. Um, and, you know, it's like someone's going to make that thing. And so we, we assumed that Google would make that and we would just use it because Google made maps and everyone uses the maps. Or we assumed that Apple would make it and we would use it because Apple made the App Store and everyone just uses it. And so we waited until the moment in October of 2013 where Steve Jobs stood on stage and was like, okay, the, the, the iPhone, um, the iPhone uh, 4S with iOS 5 now has geofencing. And they talked about this stuff and was like, this is it. This is the moment. We can make the things we need because the geofencing works. We downloaded the builds. We played with the new phones. And we had this moment of like, shit, like this stuff, it doesn't work. This is, this is not meant for companies like Foursquare. This is meant for someone else. Uh -huh. And we had this thing of like, we're going to have to make, we're going to have to build this ourselves. Like we're not a social media company. We are a technology company. You know, like it's, it's not about the check-in. It's going to be about, you know, do or die, make this piece of technology that can understand as phones walk in and out of places. And, and someone's got to build that, like, why not us? And so that, that was, that was October, 2013. That was probably one of the biggest switches in the business. And, you know, we worked for three years trying to make this, this stuff. And it just, it just did not work. It was so hard to get working. It was so much technology and data science and machine learning and ingesting of data and blah, 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 uh, stuff I don't even understand. <clears throat> and it wasn't until, I want to say like 2015 or 16 that it really started to work. That you could go into like a, you know, a cupcake shop, the phone would be like, oh, you're inside this cupcake shop. The thing you need to get here is this particular cupcake, right? I mean, which is like a weird example. But the idea that you can bring your phone somewhere and it understands where you've been, you don't have to have the phone in your hand, you don't have to open the app, you don't have to press any button, you don't have to select which place you're at, we just know. Uh -huh. And we can do it for like any business in the world, you know, any city in the world. And you can do it in really dense areas like St. Mark's Place, because where we designed the stuff and where we tested it. Um, or you can do it in really tall places like skyscrapers with businesses on top of each other because we built this stuff in New York. Um, and that, like, that technology is called Pilgrim. Um, and now, like, we, you know, once, it, once Pilgrim started working, we baked it into all of our stuff. Ad products, attribution, the city guide app, the Swarm app is one of the reasons we kind of split them in two. You're right, there was that big split between Foursquare and Swarm. Yeah, and then, um, which is really just about like, hey, make these products easier for people to use. Let's get the Pilgrim engine in places. Let's just like get, like let's let's start collecting some of this passive data so we can start building new things on top of it. And now that Pilgrim that Pilgrim technology is baked up in this SDK that we we let developers use um, to make like apps that are contextually aware. Now, right? Do you have a business model on that SDK? Are you? Um, well, the company's business model these days is it's it's a, it's based around data. It's like understanding where a critical mass of phones are and then using that data for advertising, for analytics, for consumer apps, for, you know, helping J.Crew figure out where to put their stores, for helping investors figure out how many people went to, you know, Chipotle stores this month. Like, it's just a different data set that hasn't really, oh, go ahead, hasn't really existed before. Uh -huh. And 
it's built off of you know technology that we invented and so our entire business model these days has really switched from you know 2010 being like why don't we charge this you know coffee shop 50 bucks a month to run a special sort of the yelp model yeah 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 and and we'll charge um you know taco bell money to put ads in our app like that we don't it's like that's not part of the model anymore the part of the model now is like understand where critical mass of phones are going globally identify the trends uh, and use the data and the trends to help companies make decisions about um, about their own businesses or their competitors businesses so are you still the ceo of foursquare no, no i was ceo up until what year is it now 2019 2016. Yeah. Uh-huh. and then um, i brought in uh, a new COO, this guy named Jeff Glick, who's great, and I made him the CEO in 2000, in January 2016. So talk about that. What was what was the reason for 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 that? Uh, and, and a couple things. I mean, the, the number one thing was like, I, I mean, I, I'm good at building consumer things. I'm very passionate about products that people use. You know, like this idea of like software that. You know, software that changes the way that people use cities is like, that's, that's my thing. Um, and as I could see that the company was going to become more of a business to business type of, um, you know, business model and just venture in general and less dependent on like the business to consumer part. I was like, you guys, I was telling the board this, I'm like, you need a, need someone in here that is just really, really passionate about, you know, B2B and enterprise and data and analytics. And I'm like, like I, I know some of that stuff, but like I don't wake up every day jazzed about that stuff. Like you, you need to find a, like a CEO that is really passionate about that. And I, and I will stay and I will continue to build, you know, consumer things off of the data and technology. And I'll consider, you know, continue to kind of guide the company in the way that we think is, is right and ethical and, and, you know, very respectful of users and privacy and stuff. Um, but you need someone day to day that is like really passionate about that. And that's Jeff. And Jeff has done a you know, great job leading the company over the last couple of years. I know, watch out for that. So what are you uh, working on now? Um, me personally or Foursquare? You. For, well, I have, um, I have like a, a small group kind of tucked away in the corner of Foursquare. That's like, it's like an R&D group. And you know, it's very similar to the R&D group that made Pilgrim and the R&D group that pushed for the Pilgrim SDK. And now what we're doing is, you know, it's a group of people that are making weird, non-conventional stuff um, on, on top of the tools and, and data that we have. So, sorry, buddy. Um, and so, you know, like, we haven't launched this stuff, so I'm like hesitant to talk about it yet. Sure. Uh, we are gonna go down to South by Southwest, and I think for the first time in a long time, show people some stuff that we've made, which is very cool. Well, it's um, a few weeks away. Yeah, and then we were recently, you know, like we 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 were making um, uh, the, uh, we were working on like a prototype of a look, of a, a different type of location-based game, like a bo- like board game where the pieces are actually like, you know, based off of uh, off of real data, real things happening in the city. And so we went down to NYU, and NYU has this awesome um, uh, <coughs> like. Uh, uh, academic program for game developers and game designers in Brooklyn. And, yeah in Brooklyn I've the game it. center yeah. they, so we went down there they do a thing every Thursday called playtest Thursday and so we went down there and we showed off like hey this is what we're thinking about and and our demo was was so lousy compared to what all the other students did 
we came back, we're like, okay, we're gonna make another demo, go back and show it off. But like, anyway, the, the, re, the lab that we work on, the little R&D group, just, it makes interesting things that are designed to, you know, sh like showcase what we can do with the technology and showcase like where we think, um, where we think the space is going. Interesting. Uh, so let's, let's think bigger picture now. In our, in our last few minutes, what are some of the biggest challenges uh, you felt you've, you've tackled over the last 15 years? 15 years. Um, you know, I, I talk to entrepreneurs a lot, um, especially like people that are just getting, getting started. Um, and the piece of advice I, I always try to give them is like, you can't let people tell you that like the ideas that you have are, are bad ideas. And if people tell you they're bad ideas, like you should really just keep working on them until you convince yourself that they're that they're bad ideas. You know, if you like, if, you know, if, and it's just it's just important, right? Like it's it's quite possible that like people that build these really interesting things, they just see the world in a slightly different way. And if you let someone that sees the world in another way tell you that the way that you see it is wrong, you just won't get a lot of this stuff built. And so like. You know, we waited a long time to build to build some of this stuff. Um, in part because, like, we didn't feel confident that we were the people that were supposed to do it, and, and in part because we didn't have the skills, right? So another part of it is just like just find any way to get this stuff built, like, you know. And it can't be like, oh, I'm just I'm not going to do it until I found a technical co-founder. Like that's what everyone says. Oh, I just need a technical co-founder. It's like, oh, pick up a book and figure out how to do it. There's a thousand resources on the internet that will teach you how to get started. And you don't have to become, you know, the best programmer in the history of the world. You just have to become competent enough that you can make something that barely works. So that you can show it to someone and they can, they can help you. They can join you and they can help you fix it. So the best way to get a technical co-founder is to actually do an MVP yourself and that, that will impress the heck out of them. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what people want to see. People want to see things they can get excited about. And it's hard to get excited about just something on a whiteboard. you got to show up something to people that feels real. Um, you know, I think the, the other part of it is just like, it's just, you know, surviving long enough, yes. you know, like I think, um, like one of the things that we've been really good at is like, we, we've got this mission and vision for how we see the world, you know, like software that makes cities easier to use, you know, data that helps people, you know, navigate the world in interesting ways. It's, we've been doing the same thing for not just the 10 years of Foursquare, but like, the five years of dodgeball before that it's just, it's the same thing we just kind of stick to the script and you know like the, the company might take some turns here and there and the business model might change the apps might change the things we make might change it's, a, it's the same stuff and i think when you work on the same stuff for a long enough period of time like just things things start to happen you know there's probably a hundred moments in the company where we probably could have threw up the like just kind of threw in the towel and said this isn't gonna work, this is too hard, I'll just get an easier job. And we didn't do that, we just kept doing it. And we did it through the times that were like really fun and glamorous. And we did it through the times that were like a huge pain in the ass and like you'd go cry in the stairwell. Two dot com and bubbles. Yeah, I mean, we just been we just been doing this forever and it just feels like this is just what we do now. Um, and I, I think that's like, that, that, that's just a big part of it. So I think that, I think <clears throat> we're, I think we're good. Uh, Eddie Parting uh, sound bites. Let's see. I tell you, this is a. 
I'm exhausted. <laughs> There's a lot of walking. There's a lot of talking. I feel like I just ran, ran ten miles or something. Yeah. Um, but no, this is this is great. You know, like um, uh, I think the the most the, the parting soundbite is uh, is I still meet all the I meet people all the time that are like, gosh, Foursquare, like you guys are still around. What are you doing? And I'm like, we're you know like we've we've made all this technology that you may not use because you don't may not have like the Foursquare app or the Swarm app. But, you know, like a little bit of our stuff is baked into Twitter and Uber and Apple Maps and Samsung phones and, you know, Tinder and TouchTunes and AccuWeather. And like, like we've, we've built all of this location infrastructure that has found its way, you know, uh, uh, all throughout the Internet. And it's like something that we're really proud of, right? So like even though, you know, like we started off uh, the story of the company, like where the big narrative is like, we make these apps and you use our apps, you know, 10 years in, we're at this point where it's like, you know, we build the platform, the data technology, uh, others leverage it. But at the end of the day, a lot of people that were walking in the streets are still using it. And it's, um, you know, it's like a real, it's been a real interesting story for us. And it's been a real interesting journey for me. And you know, I keep getting excited about the stuff that we're going to make next. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Dennis. Yeah, man, this was fun. Thanks for, thanks for going on a long walk. All right. Good stuff. All right.